I just uh, something that um, um, Bill Johnson said that I've been listening to that's just running in my head right now. So I just believe somebody needs to hear this. What I've loved is how amazing the Word of God is and how alive and how beautiful it is. And, you know, we can read in John chapter 1 uh, where in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Word was with God and he was God. He is God, right? And, um, and then goes on to say that, um, I think it's in verse 14 when it talks about, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The living Word came, literally put on flesh and lived in amongst us. And uh, I think uh, John chapter 5, it's around 39 or 40, it talks about, Jesus is talking about um, the Pharisees. They look in the Word to find eternal life, but ta-da, here I am, and they miss that it's me, right? There's almost this, this kind of uh, missing of, of on grasping of the reality of, of what they were longing for. They were standing in front of them, and they, and they missed it, right? But then if you go into uh, John chapter 6, I think it's 63, where Jesus says, my words are spirit, and they are life. So you have the living Word becoming flesh, and then you have the Word being spirit. And uh, here's the, the, the thing that I felt the Holy Spirit was just ministering to us this morning, is that in His presence, the living Word is spirit. So he begins to move and he begins to operate in the Spirit. The living Word begins to do, uh, do things in the Spirit. Uh, you know, we, we so live in a world that's so conditioned around the uh, physical that when we talk about hearing the voice of God, we think physical. So we think about hearing. is like I tangibly, somebody's got to speak and then I can hear those words as I hear them speak. But God is speaking and operating because His words are spirit. So sometimes, just dwelling in His presence, He's speaking. I can't comprehend what He's saying. It's not like words that I can comprehend with these ears. But my spirit man is hearing. My spirit man is operating. My spirit man is adjusting, transforming at work. So that's why we go and we yield into His presence and we allow His presence to just do that in our hearts and lives. And that's why as you journey in life, you wonder why suddenly, wow. And often we take credit for it. But it's like, do you know what? I've just been kind of thinking about that, that situation at work and, 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 and I, how to do it. And I haven't even actually prayed and asked the Lord and, and um, heard Him tell me what to do. But I've got this brilliant idea. I think I'm going to do this or do that. Meantime, Holy Spirit's been talking and working in your spirit all this time, and we don't realize where did we think we got the idea from. We got it from Him. He's working. He's inside of us. I might not have heard Him tangibly, but He's in 
in the realm of the Spirit. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Now, you can think I've ate too much pizza or cheese or something, or you can grab hold of it. But the reality is, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So by grabbing hold of what I was sharing this morning, we can actually receive our miracle and be transformed because He's already at work through His Word inside of us and inside of our circumstance and our situation, just because we came this morning and surrendered and yielded and just worshipped Him, yielded to Him. It's never a waste of time to just spend in the presence of the Lord. Like, Lord, I really want to spend time in your presence, but there's so much to do, and I've got so many things that I need to sort out and find out. Well, you can do that in the presence of the Lord. You don't have to try and... See, hearing the Lord isn't... It's not about popping veins. See, faith comes by hearing. It's not faith comes by hearing the Word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word. As we meditate and as we spend time in the Word, I develop my ability to hear. But faith is found in hearing. Where's hearing? In His presence. Faith is found in relationship. That's why faith, you cannot uh, your way into faith. That's why often you have people, they stand in the front whatever, and they come for prayer. And it's almost like you see sometimes you see people, they're kind of going, be healed in Jesus' name. Like it's almost I'm going to squeeze out this faith miracle. It's not about your prayer. It's not about you squeezing it out. It's about yielding. Faith is about yielding. It's yielding to Him, you see. It's about, you see, that's why your prayer can be really short. Healing doesn't come because you are giving this long prayer. It's not, you're not impressing anyone by your long prayer. What you are uh, um, reaching into is, is with faith. See, it comes, let me say this. Every single person that's born again is a believer. That means your very nature is to believe. So you don't have to work up faith. It's natural. You have to yield your way into great faith. Amen. So this morning, it's just yielding, actually. It's not working it up. It's not going, oh, I just want to, oh, I've got this challenge. I just want to believe. I really want to believe. I'm, I reckon if I squint, squinch my eyes and face hard enough, I'm going to. It's the same as abiding in the vine. How do you bear fruit? Not by working so hard. Not by, oh, trying to, ooh. It's by abiding. It's like, I don't, I don't do fruit. I just abide. He does fruit. Fruit comes from the vine. I'm just grafted into the vine. See, you just have to be one who's in there, and then it flows. Ooh, this is nice. Amen? You don't see trees going, trying to get their fruit. They just naturally produce fruit. I naturally produce fruit because I'm abiding in the vine, right? Amen? That was for free. Amen. Well, I was all over the place in the first service now. I feel like... I better try and ground something <laughs> before I start. Um, let me let me let me say this. What's what's so beautiful is, I love. Let's just read it because uh, we 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 love it. Um, Matthew, let's go to Matthew twenty-eight. Everyone should know where I'm going to go. Just say Matthew twenty-eight. 
Matthew 28. We, we've, been, uh, we've been talking about the great well, the Bible scholars and people much more intelligent than me called it the Great Commission, but um, we've been, we've been um, speaking on the Great Commission, declaring, speaking over our lives, over the church, just this urgency that we feel in God's heart uh, to minister to the nations, to, to, to minister to people um, that haven't heard the name of Jesus. Um, you know, I don't even want to get into the stats when Connor shares those stats. I just, I just say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm not God. Um, thank you that you're in control, because I think I just go, <laughs> um, and he's like very relaxed. He said, I've got this all planned out. This is going to be so awesome. Watch me. Um, I think God loves to those, those kind of watch me moments, you know, when it like, seems like, okay, this is, this is getting close to midnight, Lord. It's, it's 5-2 now, uh, as if he didn't know, um, and he loves to just come in, you know, those suddenly moments, those powerful moments when we just like, <laughs> in fact, it's almost, you want to say, like, when you get to that place of it's really where you know who you are. You kind of get to that place and you kind of go. Like, I love the story of Abraham. Sorry, another rabbit trail. The, the, it's just Abraham with Isaac. I love that he got to the place where he lifted up the knife and God realized, okay, he's going to do it. He really is going to do it. He actually really does love me. This guy's fully committed. Ooh, hold on. You know, um, there's a ram in the thicket. Um, it's almost like at times where we get right to that place. It's just in our desperation before the Lord because, not because He doesn't know. It's not a, a question where God just wants to find out. I just want to see where you're actually at. He knows exactly where you're at. It's whether you know where you're at, right? How do I get on that? This is the trail that went off somewhere. Let's get back onto the main trail. Um, okay, so 28. Let's just read you quickly the Great Commission. I love it. Uh, now the eleven disciples uh, went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is just such a powerful commission and statement and that end there so beautiful i'm with you always it's kind of i'm saying this but let me just wrap it all up in this beautiful wrapper of i'm with you so whatever i said before it's all good right as long as you're with me lord it's all good but i just wanted to encourage us because as we kind of declare and as we trumpet and as we as a church are are, are saying um we just Lord, we just want to follow you with this, this, this beautiful mandate. Um, this mandate wasn't spoken into a vacuum. Wasn't, it wasn't spoken into like a, it just came out of the blue and the disciples were sitting there going, huh? What? It came in a whole story and a journey. So when we look at the Word of God, we have to understand that this mandate, it landed in their hearts because there was a landing strip. There was a whole airport that had been built for this to come in and land. So sometimes I know as a church, often we kind of hear this, whatever, and you go, well, I don't understand that, or I don't, I've never really, that, I don't feel that, or this, that, and the others, because it's not able to land, um, because we maybe don't understand the full picture of, of what, what, what this is being spoken into. So what I wanted to do, uh, or what to try and do this morning, was to just bring the full airport 
um, so that this is easy. It lands so easily when you understand that. So this great commission uh, where Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He's mandating us to go and to teach. We know that this was spoken to the 11, but as it was spoken to the 11, it was spoken through the 11 to every single person in history that would say yes to Jesus. Because those 11 were now going to go and to teach everything that Jesus has said, and they were to go and to make disciples. In order for them to make disciples, they needed to understand what a disciple was, and first and foremost, they needed to be disciples. Okay, if we, if we know our word, whatever, these were the disciples. So that's what I'm saying. There was a landing strip already as to who they were. Now, they were going to go make who they were. So let's have an understanding of who they were. So if we go and we have a look at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, um, I had a few little um, definitions and things that I looked up. Um, the, the definition of a disciple is someone who adheres to the teachings of another. It's a follower or a learner. The actual word disciple, it means learner, and we learn through following. Um, so a follower or learner refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. Uh, when applying it to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from him to live like him. That's a disciple, right? So somebody who's actually following after Jesus Christ. And I shared earlier that we're not talking about uh, uh, mimicking them or copying Jesus. We're talking about following Jesus. It's very different. As a follower, you still have your, 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 your uniqueness of who God created you to be. This isn't a cookie-cutter uh, system where we all got exactly the same because it's made in the same machine. And gloop, gloop. Oh, I'm, I'm getting into sounds this morning. But um, what the other sound? But now I'm into a gloop. Okay. So it's not, everyone's not the same. This is a uniqueness, but we're all following. There's a, there's a commonality uh, in that. And I, and I shared this morning that often in church life, we do think that we gather together as a congregation um, similar with our understanding of worldly family. What happens with worldly family is that we are of the same blood. So my sisters and my brothers, I didn't choose them. They're just of the same blood. So um, I feel obligated, as it were, to um, you know, defend or to protect or to help them because we are from the same blood. And sometimes we just kind of in church life, we also think, well, this is kind of my church congregation. We're of the same blood, Jesus. Um, and so, you know, we're obligated to kind of protect and to help. It's way more than that. The family of God isn't just we're all from the same father, from the same blood. We're also from the same spirit, the same heart, the same mandate, the same vision, the same values. We're way more knit and joined together. Family in God is way more than just some kind of common blood reality, Right? So as, as, as the family of God, we're called, we are knitted together and called to be disciples. It's, I wish we could watch the movie or the picture um, other than a few episodes um, that we're seeing now of, those, of the disciples and Jesus uh, on YouTube or wherever it is. Where is it? I can't remember now. Um, the Chosen, it's on, it's on YouTube. Um, I'm blank for a moment there. Um, 
it's, it's what knit them together. It's their mandate that they had together. It's why they were so strongly together. Because they were disciples. And, what, and that disciple, they were, they were learners of Jesus. They were, they were following Jesus. They were after Jesus. They were, they were living out what Christ had imparted to them, what He had taught them. So we are called as the people of God now to live out that, right? And our mandate as the people of God and as the family of God, can I say this very quickly and very clearly? Whatever the enemy has tried to do over the church is that it's kind of like we're in this huge sea um, and, you know, everyone is, is drowning. And, uh, and uh, those that don't know Jesus Christ are like, woo, 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 and just like drowning. But those that have got born again, it's almost as if God like, gave them a life jacket and they've popped up onto the top of the sea and started to bob. They changed their name to Bob. And so they managed to be rescued out of this horrible situation and now they, whoo, they bobbed up. Ooh, it's really nice. Oh, got my head above water. That's right. <gasps> breathe, breathe. Yes, breathe. Oh, that's a big wave. Breathe. Ooh, it's really good. That's not the picture of the gospel and that's not the picture that Jesus died for. The picture that Jesus died for wasn't just to be rescued from your situation. The picture that Jesus died for was to become a powerful influence into the situation. So we are not just coming out of the red, but we're well into the black. We're well into uh, making a difference and transforming our circumstances, our situations, and life. Amen. Now, for a lot of believers, maybe your situation or circumstances are speaking something different, but I want you to uh, align yourself with the Word this morning, not with what you might have experienced or seen. Might be like, I just feel like I'm just always keeping my head above water. That's not what Jesus paid for. Jesus paid for you to be flying, to be, as I said, above, not beneath, the head, not the tail. This isn't, uh, and, uh, and that might be tough, but uh, let's rather reach in faith for what He's paid for. I shared also this morning, um, there's a quote um, from Leonard Ravenhill. I don't even know where it is, but um, he's uh, an evangelist. He was born, I think, 1907. He died 1994. In the 90s, he was, um, he was an evangelist. He was passionate about revival and, uh, and, uh, and prayer. He was a man, real man of prayer, powerful man. And if you ever go in Britain and you see his tombstone, it says, are the things that you are living for worth Jesus dying for? That's powerful. Are the things you're living for worth Jesus dying for? And it challenged me that. It still, it still challenges me just to, the reality of what are we living for. And it's, it's almost like I want to say... Um, before we got saved, we were living a lie. If we go back to the very beginning and to, the, to Genesis and to the garden, Adam and Eve were created for life. How many know they were not even created for death? Death was actually not supposed to be part of the equation at all. They weren't created for death. They were created for life. And, uh, and then they decided to go independent and do their own thing and decided to eat of something that they sh were asked not to eat. And, I, and I, I'll, let me say this too. God creates everything, all good. You've got everything. Everything that you need is all there. Everything, it's interesting. It sounds familiar. 
Everything that pertains to life and godliness, I've given it. It's all yours. Now, all I'm asking you to do is to actually eat from the tree of life. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge, which means that in order for me to live and to operate, I don't need to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't have to. Quick shock alert. You don't have to go and study up and find out a whole bunch of stuff in order for you to be a good business person or to overcome in your circumstances and your situations. You need to eat from the tree of life. Now, hear what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that I went to university as well and going to school, university, learning, getting all your, developing your skills, uh, your abilities and what have you. I'm for all of that. But when it comes to me operating and functioning, I do not rely on that. I rely on the tree of life. My dependence, I love Babylon. I live in Babylon. Um, uh, I want to thrive in the courts of Babylon. But my trust is not in Babylon. I do not have a love for Babylon. I have a love for God. Amen. So in that garden, while they leaned on, on the tree of life, while they, while they trusted in God, they flourished. It's when they started to eat from that other tree. And it wasn't an evil tree, just so you know. Most people, when they read that, they go, yeah, yeah, that other evil tree. And it wasn't an evil tree. It was the tree of the knowledge. Man's greatest pitfall. He thinks he's clever. I've got knowledge, Grant. You don't know. I've been in here. Yes, I've been a fisherman for 450,000 years. And I know exactly how fishing works. And you come along, the tree of life, and tell me, throw the net over here. Are you an idiot? That's what knowledge will tell you, right? But instead, nevertheless, at your word. <laughs> I love that. Sitting in circumstances here today in your knowledge, because I went and studied and I found out what Bill Gates said. The reality is, I don't want to eat from that tree, no matter how knowledgeable no matter how fancy it is, I want to listen and hear the voice of the Lord. I want, to, I want to rely on Him because He's the one that brings breakthrough. He is the Lord of breakthrough, right? That's what God says. Oh, I'm all over the place again. Please, Jesus, help me I'm land here again. Karabashanda. So we, we are called to follow Jesus, this mandate of Jesus. So what I've got to do is I've got to look at the life of Jesus that I'm following to understand who I'm following, who I, whose I am. Because yes, I've, from, from Adam, we ate from the wrong tree. We started to live a lie. We started to operate and live in an identity that was never mine. And, and it's, it's always, I say, uh, I always say this, it's a marvel to me how we struggle to let go of that, to step into the truth and the design, the way God created us. It's just, it's crazy, but we do. Um, but once we step into the truth and we understand who He is and begin to operate the way He designed me to, I flourish. Very powerful. Um, I can't operate, you'll never live in the design of the way God designed you to by living the lie. You have to live in the truth. I hope I'm not being too, but because but, sometimes I speak like in a, a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's, it's, it's living the way Jesus called us to live. So Jesus, um, John 20, 21 says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So there's this mandate, if I can understand Jesus and his journey, then I want to follow the way God mandated and how God led him. So let me just say this. So from the very beginning, if we understand uh, Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit operating uh, together uh, and deciding now to send Jesus to the earth, he was sent on a mission, right? He was given a mission. We can, we can all... Um, you know, many different scriptures as to, there's many aspects of what that mission was. Um, you know, he, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, he came to seek and save, save that which was lost. Uh, many of those aspects. One of the, I believe, the, the key overall mandate of Jesus was to come back to a planet that had lost its identity. Orphans. They were always meant to be a father that relied on the father, that had total confidence in the father, that were secure. Now they had lost their identity. They were orphans. They were running around. They were fighting for everything. They were competing. They were, and he said he came back to restore back to them the identity of a son and a daughter. Um, and that's the mandate um, of Christ. But to live in that identity, you have to be a disciple. There has to be a transformation. So, no matter all the different aspects of the mission, whether, whether you want to just say the mission was to, to, to bring them back to an understanding of who they were in God and that God was their Father, or whatever it was, Jesus had to yield to the mission, right? So, He yielded to the mission that was given to Him. There was a, 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 He submitted to the mission, submission. He submitted to the mission that God had given him. In submitting to the mission that God had given him, that submission brought authority. When you submit to the mission, then you can operate in authority. Let me say this. You first have to be under authority to operate in authority. So he submitted to the mission, and in submitting, submitting to that mission, he could now operate in authority on the mission. So, the mandate of Christ was to come to this earth and to represent us, exactly like us. Even though Jesus was 100% God, He was also 100% man, and at no stage did He give up His 100% deity of God. He didn't give it up and say, I'm let it go for this season while I'm on the earth and then I'm going to take it back. He was always 100% God. But he was also 100% man and everything that he did on this earth, he couldn't operate and do it as God. If he did it as God, all of us here are sitting here today just going, wow, this is impressive and we'll all clap, right? We'll all say, wow, but it doesn't affect me, it doesn't transform me, it won't be able to change me because I'm not God. So I cannot do that if, I, if, if, if he did it as God. But if he did it as a man, then it challenges me. It challenged me to say, hold on a minute. Okay, this now I, I, I can do. And he's called me to follow this. This is what he's called me to be a disciple of, a follower of. This is what he's called me to do. So he comes in submission. He comes uh, submitted to the mission. And because he submitted to the mission, he has given authority. 
And you can see that throughout Jesus' life. You can see as he's, uh, um, in all his journey I used this morning about when he was 12 years old and they went to Jerusalem to, to partake in the feast. The family on their way back couldn't find their son. Um, where are you, Jesus? Okay, whoops, go back to Jerusalem, find him sitting there with the Pharisees. He's chatting, whatever, asking questions, and they marveled at the questions, the knowledge of the Word. Was such, uh, such a young boy with such authority, right? So there's, there's this journey where he had authority, but I truly believe that Jesus did not, he came um, and had authority, but he did not have power. The reason why he did not have power is that nowhere in the Bible does it tell us he went around as a young boy, um, you know, causing chickens to rise from the dead, or, or the, the local donkey, or walking on the pond, or the little lake in, in there, what have you. He, he, um, he operated, he was, he was operating in authority, but he was not operating in power yet, because he was, he was yielded to the same journey that every single one of us has to journey. So every single one of us, we can, if we submit to the mission, we can operate in authority, but power comes differently. Power comes through encounter. So here we have John the Baptist. John the Baptist is, is going, he's preaching repentance, he's preparing the way for Jesus. Uh, his ministry is about the guys have to repent, so it's a baptism of repentance, uh, people ask him, well, what, what, you know, are you the Messiah? He said, no, no. One who's greater than I is coming, whose sandal I'm not even worthy of untying. Um, but he comes and he's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit in fire. Different baptism. Then Jesus comes onto the scene and John looks at him and says, hey, um, Jesus says, you know, will you baptize me? John goes, hold on a minute. Um, I need your baptism. You don't need my baptism. Why? My baptism, John... Baptism of repentance, Jesus, you're perfect. You don't need a baptism of repentance, but I need your baptism. That's a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, right? And unfortunately, John was between the two. Jesus in, in Matthew 11, 11 speaks about John and says, of a, anyone born of a woman, it's basically anyone born on this earth, there's no one as great as John the Baptist. Then he follows that up with this statement. He says, but the least in the kingdom, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. See, there's, there's something about the baptism in the Holy Spirit that opens up something that John the Baptist never was able to have because he was, he was between so now, when you look at the Great Commission, if you go in the Great Commission and you go to, I'll just go there quickly, to Luke 24, which is also the Great Commission, but just said in another way, in another gospel, you will see here, Luke is speaking, um, verse, uh, he said to them, verse 46, thus it is written, Luke 24, 46, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Sounds familiar, right? Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. 
You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So here's the Great Commission, but what's added to it is you need to stay to be clothed with power. So the mandate in, 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 in um, Matthew 28 is to go and to make disciples, and then in, in Luke 24, it says, but you must wait until you're clothed with power. You've got authority, but you also now need power. You need authority and power to, be, to, to, to fulfill what I've called you to. Amen. Revelations uh, chapter 1. Doing it a little differently now. Revelations chapter 1. If you go to Revelation chapter 1, it's, uh, God's talking to the church. Um, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, and again, also just an encouragement to every single one of us as you read that, there were more than seven churches. There were many churches. Um, but seven is the word, of, it's completion, it's complete. So he's talking to the complete church. This is addressed to the whole church. That's why when you read all the seven churches and the seven letters, that is to the church. That's applicable to the whole church, right? But as he's addressing the church, just, I haven't got time to, to, but to linger on this, grace to you and peace. Grace and peace. When Paul wrote his letters, grace and peace. Um, here, um, the first thing that um, God is, is speaking um, that John's writing down is grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. If there's one thing uh, that I can encourage you with as you wake up in the morning, I can promise you God says two things over your life. Grace and peace. What's grace? The divine enablement. It's divine empowering for that day. Grace. You know, you stand up and you kind of go, I don't know if I've got the strength to deal with it today. Thank God I'm born again. Thank you, Jesus, that I don't need the strength to do this because your grace is sufficient for me. So I just receive your grace this morning. I thank you that everything, divine enablement that I need to do, whatever I've got to do in you today, you have given me the ability. And then peace, because my mind is going to run all over the place and start freaking out all the stuff that I've got to do. So grace and peace, I'll take it every single morning. Amen. And that's what God wants to speak over us. But who wants to speak it? Obviously the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the Father, I love the 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 character that's attributed to the Father here is from the one who is and who was and who is to come, the eternal God, the beginning and the end, the everlasting one. That's the description of the Father. This is such confidence for me when I know my Father is there from the beginning, He's there at the end, and He's everything in between. I just, there's a security in that. So I love that God, uh, the attribute that, that, that the Holy Spirit writes here about the Father is the eternity of beginning and end of everything in between, right? But then it goes on to say, and from the seven spirits who are before His throne, the seven spirits, we know that Holy Spirit is only one, it's one Holy Spirit, but the description here again, seven, complete. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the all-knowing one, the all-seeing one. Holy Spirit, He is everywhere. That's why He's the seven torches of fire. He's the seven eyes. He's often uh, descriptively referred to as seven. That doesn't mean He's seven. Just, it's a picture of the, of the character and the nature of Holy Spirit, right? Um, but then it goes on to say, and from Jesus Christ. Now listen to our, our Savior's 
um, definition. From Jesus Christ, three things. And I said, you'll get the patty, and then you'll get the two buns on either side, right? The faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on the earth. The firstborn is the patty, firstborn from the dead. Jesus Christ went through all that he did as a man so that he could conquer as a man, so that he could uh, come and live inside of us so that we had a model and a life to live that we can operate as he was the firstborn. See, when you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, then when you start hearing about, when they use the word new creation, every single one of you are a new creation. That's like the like a prototype. It's, it's never, ever been seen before. Jesus is the firstborn of that new design, new creation, that, that, that new way of operating. It's got a new uh, mechanics and, and, and uh, hard drive and everything. It's new, right? And then in order for the firstborn to operate the way it was designed to operate, that patty must be squeezed in between these two buns. And these two buns are the faithful witness and the ruler of kings on the earth. Said another way, it's authority and power. Ruler of kings of the earth, authority. And then the faithful witness, power. So we were called to operate like Christ in authority and in power, the mandate. So uh, let me say it like this too. Um, if you take a policeman, he goes through his course and what have you, and then he gets given the, the, the certificate, whatever, he's now a policeman. That policeman has full authority in what he, as a policeman. He can't walk up to uh, Olivedale Hospital and walk in there and just walk into the theater and say, I've got authority here, step aside, I'm going to operate, I'm going to start cutting this patient. They would tell him, mental, out. The reality is he only has authority in the sphere that he has been given, right? So he can't just move out of that. Well, it's the same. Jesus has modeled the same for us. We can operate in the sphere that he has given us, which is the mission, you submitted to the mission. So now we have full authority and power to operate in the mission. So let's, let's quickly understand now how this operated. So Jesus had authority. And then he comes along and he gets baptized. Holy Spirit comes upon him. Well, after Holy Spirit is kind of comes upon him, uh, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's a strong word, drives him into the wilderness. Um, as he goes into the wilderness now, he fasts 40 days. And uh, then the devil comes and tempts him. And when the devil tries to come and attempt and tempt him, what happens is he rises up and he counteracts it with the word, with authority. Right? As he rises up with authority, he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This isn't just a word. This is a living word. It's living word that's, that's living and that's active. And so he's now taking the word and he's now releasing power over and with that word, word and spirit. And as he does that, the, the enemy has zero chance. 
of winning. So he backs off. You see the very next verse that he came out of the desert in the power of the Spirit. Now he's operating in authority and he's operating in power. He's beginning to um, speak and declare. He's beginning to take the Word of God and he's beginning to change his circumstances and his situations. He is now living the mandate of what God has given him as the mission, right? As that, living on the earth, he's got a bunch of disciples. So he releases and gives his disciples authority and power. And you can read that Matthew chapter 10, uh, Luke, I think it's chapter 9, where he releases power and authority to go and do what? To do the mandate. What's the mandate? To preach the gospel, to heal the sick. Isn't that, that, should, that should really bug us and we should, we should go back to Jesus and say, um, Lord, just help me with this thing here is that you didn't tell us to pray for the sick. You said heal the sick. And I can do, I can't heal. He heals. But he didn't, he told, he told me heal. There's a, there's a higher authority and power here than we actually realize that God has, that wants us to live in. But so what he does is he delegates it to his disciples. His disciples were able to to, to operate and to function like that. But then he left. When he left, he said, I've got, when I go, I'm going to have to send you Holy Spirit, right? Then he says, Terry, you can't do this without Holy Spirit. And then you, we have to be, what does the Bible say? When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were empowered to be witnesses. Power. Faithful witness. The witnesses. So now the authority and the power comes upon them for the mandate to live and to operate in what God has called them to. What's God called them to? The promised land. What was Israel uh, promised? The promised land. What are you and I promised? The promises of God. The promised land. So you see, the way we operate now, we operate with power and authority in the promises of God. Taking the promises of God, causing them for the presence of God to come breathe on those promises so that those promises, the Word of God becomes living and active and comes alive and changes my circumstance or my situation. See, I'm called to be mandated, to be a disciple of Jesus, is to go into my situation and to begin to speak and declare with authority the promise of God, the Word of God, and then allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on that, to make that the reality. So whatever I face in every single situation, whatever that circumstance or that situation is, that's what my mandate is. I've got to change that thing. Even as today, like, whoops, oh, came back again. It must be my new tongue. Um, it's just, it, he, he, he's wanting to transform it. This is our mandate. This is the, the mission, right? So now you've got me in submission to the mission. Now I'll use that very uh, tough um, Scripture, and I wonder if I should use it again quickly. Um, yeah, if you, if you go quickly to, to Luke. Those that were here in the first one are going, oh, dear Lord. Luke. We're back in Luke again. We like Luke, but, but this one. In Luke, in Luke uh, 14, um, 25, I'll read it to you quickly. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life. 
It's almost as if when I'm preaching and suddenly people go, woof, they're quite heavy, and they go, yes, let me just add another last one just to, boom, make the thing just, just like, yeah, you hate father and mother and this, that, and you're like, oh, really? Whatever. And says, yes, and even your own life. Um, you cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on and he says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the costs? And this is so important, this one. I know we always flop over this. But the reality is for a lot of the people of God, they just loved, they came, they got swept into this thing as some kind of incorporated tag on. That Jesus is, no, it's really cool, man. It's just, it's actually quite a nice thing. You get to network with new people. They love you. It's lacquer. You know, it's almost, it's really, it's cool. It's really, it's really, hey, I love being born again, man. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. So which of you desiring to this? Hold, hold on a minute now. Hold on a minute. This COVID thing has changed everything now. I've got to, let me assess this cost that's involved here. Hold on. Well, I've just started building the foundation. I'm not too sure I'm going to finish now. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. First of all, just make sure you understand this is what it costs. And you, have, are you saying yes to that? Right? Um, and then he gives you another wonderful illustration about a guy who's got 10,000. He's going to fight somebody who's got 20,000. He kind of assesses, and uh, wisdom tells you before he's come anywhere close, far off. I'm going to send Oaks out to go meet him over there. We're going to find terms of peace. Yeah. <laughs> Surrender. Don't come any closer. So this is the analogy that, that he gives. Um, while the others are yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. And then the cracker, just to wrap it all up. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, for a lot of us, whatever, and that we quickly turn that over, whatever. Um, don't worry about that page. Um, yes, let's carry on somewhere where it's nice. Here's the simplicity of what, what he's saying in there. Don't get too complicated, but just very quickly, here's what he's saying. He's simply saying that I must be first. If you're going to be operate like the first, in the firstborn... Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Let me, I'm just going to read it. Um, it jumps in my head. And so if it's something's foreign, don't worry. It just, it's good. The Word of God's good. Um, um, it says, uh, v- uh, verse. Uh, let's just go to verse 18. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. What he's saying here is, I've got to be more important than father, mother, your wife, your, 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 your husband, your kids, everybody, I've got to be number one. Everything else, including your life, has to bow and has to die. I have to be Lord. That's really what he's saying. I've got to take preeminence here. Everything, everything else. He even says, renounce everything that you have. He's not saying, listen, every one of us has to go sell everything that we have. And all. What he's do saying is, none of those things must speak louder than me. That means I can come into your life and I can say, you know that lovely Ferrari? Sell it. And you've got to say, sure, to who? You know? Or give it to Damien. And, um, <laughs> and I say, Lord, get you behind me, Satan. No. No, so that's, that's what he's saying here. So in a, in a nutshell, what he's saying is that I take preeminence. And that's why I was also saying um, earlier, when we understand what the Scriptures are, are, are really saying here, what, what is actually a disciple, um, which we'll unpack it over the next little while. What, what a disciple really is, number one, he's a worshiper. 
not a general worshiper, not, hey, listen, I've just tagged everything on into my life, and, and, and hey, it's really cool, on Sundays I go and I give my, pay my respects to, to God and to Jesus as one of my things that I do during the week. Um, I also pay my respects to awesome money and, um, and my job and my kids and my family and this, that, and the other. No, he becomes exclusively my worship. It's him and it's him alone. There isn't any other alternative. It's him alone. He's the audience of, of one, just one. So a disciple is somebody who's a worshiper of him, one who worships in spirit and in truth, right? And a disciple is also a servant. And a disciple is a witness. See, because he's yielded to the authority and the power of his mission. Now, it's not so foreign when you hear the Great Commission. It's like, that's what I was called to do. I'm called to be a disciple. I'm called to follow Jesus. How do I follow Jesus? I follow Jesus by living in the Word, by declaring, proclaiming, and by allowing Holy Spirit to come and to take that word, transform it, and change circumstances and situations in people's lives. And the very first word that we need to proclaim is the gospel, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That transforms a person's life instantaneously out of darkness into marvelous light. So everywhere I go, I have this mandate to be a disciple. That's to operate in the firstborn anointing. To operate in the anointing of Jesus as a new creation and to begin to take the Word of God, to declare it, and to make those promises mine. We all have an inheritance. Why do we not live in our inheritance? Because we do not give our yes and yield to the promised land, the promises that God's called us. You know what's a fascinating story? The fascinating story is that you know when they, 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 they promised land and they, and they want to go in and spy out the land, and they send 12. And the 12 come back from spying out the land, and 10 of them give a bad report and 2 give a good report. What's fascinating is the 10, they don't come and give this report like, um, guys, woo, it's terrible and it's scary and it's fearful. These, are, these oaks are bad. And, and they don't bring a whole bunch of fear uh, outwardly. They do bring fear in another way. They bring fear through what? Wisdom. Wisdom, guys, I can see what happens here is these guys, they, anybody who comes into the land, they kind of take them out. I can see here now it's a, very clever. See, and that's the problem. You see, it's, it masquerades. Fear masquerades as wisdom. And that's the danger, friends. The danger is that, is, is, is that you, if you're not operating in this great mandate, because, because here's the truth. You, by surrendering, making Him Lord of everything, by, by, by yielding your life as a disciple, you, 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 you submit to the mission, you get given authority. But how do you um, operate in power you operate in power through encounter with the Holy Spirit. So now you yield it to Him. Now you're operating in, in, in power. For a lot of us, we, we only yield to, um, to the mission, but we never get commissioned. The great 
Co-mission. What does co-mission mean? Co means joint. It means co-labor. Partner. So it's not just we sit here and this mission is great. Mission's going on. Woo! Powerful. Like almost sitting there, Wimbledon. Poof. Wow, what a good shot. This is awesome. This is really great. No, we get to actually go play down on the court. I'm now commissioned to operate and to work with them in this. So here, these guys come along, and they're looking, and they're going, no, no, this is very scricky, and this is, but let me not let everyone know. Let me, let me not bring fear through the natural way. Let me bring it through wisdom. Sounds very close to home in the environment that we're living in nowadays. But so it's now, it's now hold on a minute. Um, I'm just going to subtly bring this. So, and then the way they look at the circumstance or situation is way different to the two. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb look at the circumstances of the situation very, very differently. See, your giants look very different when you submitted and yielded. Very different. And what happens is now, and I love it, it, what, what, he, what they say here is, they say, no, listen, we, we, we must go for it. Because um, God has given them into our hands. This is our, guess what the word they use? Bread. Because they kind of talked about the Nephilim, you know, the Nephilim, these are the big guys. You know, the, the, you know that family that lived down the road from you? Those oaks are big oaks. <laughs> so it's those, that family. It's like, you know that family, you know the three brothers. My other brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. <laughs> you, those are big dudes. Don't mess around with those oaks, right? So they see them, the, the bad oaks. Oh, looking there, these guys are going, no, those oaks are our food. Then you jump to the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Then you jump to Psalm 23, which says, He prepares the table in the midst of my enemies. And then you've got the church sitting at the table Fighting and more worried about cut and bind and loose and break and shakala, boom. So focused on the enemies, instead of sitting at the table. What's at the table? The table, there's food and there's nourishment. And God's saying, come on, we can do this thing. This is your daily bread. This is going to be exciting. You don't have to pray for strength for the battle. You have to pray because the, the strength is found in the battle. The battle now becomes my bread. It's my sustenance. Now it's a whole lot different. Now when I embrace my circumstances and my situation, I'm after the things of the Lord. I'm on a mission with Him, and I'm taking my authority and my power, which is my sustenance. It's my maturity. It's my life. I embrace. I go, come on, what's next? Because this thing is just building me. It's just strengthening me. I'm maturing. I'm growing in the Lord. I'm getting stronger and stronger. And as I'm getting stronger and stronger, I'm becoming more and more like the design that God created. I'm now living in my promised land. The promises of God are now part of my life. See, now I'm like, yes, please, commission me. Woohoo, I want to join in with this thing, with the Lord. 
And what I love is he doesn't leave us alone because he's inside of us. So this thing isn't like, okay, you seem to be strong enough now. Off you go. No, no, he never leaves us. I'm yoked to him. He's always with me. That's why he's inside of me. I'm carrying the firstborn anointing because the firstborn is inside of me. And so are every single one of us. Now we live in that anointing. As we live in that anointing, now we can address and take authority in our circumstances and situations and watch God do a whoops. And it's the life that he's called us to. So now God is sitting there. And, uh, and it's, the, it's, the, it's the Joshua 1 declaration. Um, we are sitting there asking the Lord to make our way prosperous. And God is saying, if you will meditate on my word, then you will make your way prosperous. You can make your way prosperous by living in the word, in the authority of God, under the submission of the mandate that he's called you to. You can live as you begin to declare and allow the presence of God, the power of God, to come and to turn and to make, make that word, because the word never returns void, right? You know all these scriptures? But it, it, it accomplishes that which it was declared and sent. So that's why when we take the promise of God, that He turns everything for good. I can grab hold of that promise. And I can say, right, there's a giant in my life right now. Some oak just came along and said to me, buddy, um, you're going to have to pay up this amount or whatever. Um, I was going to say the receiver revenue, but bless them. I don't want to use them, so let me use someone else. You're going to owe this amount or what have you. And that's uh, like a, a big mountain. But I can begin to say, Lord, you're going to turn it for good. Um, thank you, Jesus. This is not a battle. This is my food. This is my sustenance. This is bread, man. You just, thank you, Lord. You've given me bread. So now I'm going to come there and I'm going to start addressing that thing. I'm going to start to declare the word of the Lord. And I'm going to go into that situation. I'm going to find out who the person is that's involved. And I'm going to get them saved. And I'm not just going to get them saved. And I'm going to tell them to understand that, you know, you don't rely on earthly wisdom. You make mistakes and start telling me I owe money. Let me give you, uh, <laughs> let me give you godly wisdom. <laughs> no. And, and, and now it becomes my food. I begin, to, I begin to get sustained by the circumstance and the situation because I'm the one that's supposed to be breathing life. I'm the one that proceeds. See, Jesus is going to be with the Father. Now every word that proceeds. See, it's coming from the Lord. It's coming through me and now it's proceeding. I'm now declaring. I'm now speaking. It's, it's a whole nother world, I, I almost want to say that when, when I hear the Great Commission, when I hear, hear that spoken, it's, it's almost like, yes, it's like normal. Isn't that what we do? That's what we do. We go, you know, if it's not across the corridor or our next door neighbor or down the road, it's, you know, over there or it's, it's in Durban or it's in Cape Town or it's in... Turkey, or it's in Ukraine, or whatever. It's just a net. It's my. It's who I am. It's my makeup. It's what I do. It's what I do. I bring the gospel. Amen. Shall we stand? So what I I wanted I was um we're doing a little bit differently in second service, but I, what I really wanted to do um is that. We, we don't, our heart is we don't want um, 
nations t- to be a cause or to be something that, you know, we like a, a thing that we are trumpeting, people are God's heart and His desire. It's people. And, um, and we're all called to, to just, in whatever circumstance, in every situation, to go. Um, you know, go make that phone call. Go across and speak to the guy in the desk next to you. Go to the business that you need to go buy stuff from and, 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 and just have a heart for people. Have a heart for him. Uh, because why? Because I've been submitted to the mission. It's to destroy the works of the enemy. People that have been controlled and, and, uh, and their lives that have been dictated to by the enemy. Um, I've come to destroy the works of the enemy. And I've come to, to seek and to save that which is lost. And in all of that, my mandate is I've come to serve. Come to do whatever, I, I yield to whatever my desire, my will is. And even the first port of call, can I just say this? The Bible makes it very clear. It's the household of faith. It's, it's in God's house. It's where Jesus said, hey, you should do this to one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It starts even in the house of God. It starts in this place where I'm this worshiper. Exclusively, I worship the king. I'm a servant, and I'm a witness. I go out there to witness of what God, the goodness of God, what he's doing in my life. Um, that's all I can. I can share what he's doing in my life and, and, and to encourage uh, people to allow him to come and do, he'll do the same in, in their lives. So this mandate of this commission is so wonderful now. It's like, God, I get to partner with you to go and to make disciples. People just like me who are also passionately uh, trying to follow Jesus, trying to do what he's called them to do and to live the way Christ lived on this earth, which is to heal the sick. It's my favorite scripture in the whole wide world, Acts 10.38, how God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy because God was with him. That beautiful mandate that's over every single one of our lives. Jesus modeled a life that was sinless, that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he just went about doing good and healing all. I know that's scary. It might sound healing all. Wow. No, I can't heal all. No, but, but he said that's what we're following. So maybe I'll never reach it my entire life, but man, I'm going to keep following it. That I'm sinless because of the blood of Jesus. He's positioned me exactly like he was. It's a gift of righteousness. Just as Christ has no sin, I have no sin. And I have been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. So now I'm a life that's sinless, filled with the Holy Spirit. Woof. Man, what, what am I going to do with all of that? You're going to be a worshiper. You're going to submit. You're going to yield to the mission. And as you do that, you're going to yield to the promises of God, to that which He's spoken and declared over your life. And as you listen to that voice and that word, 
you can allow the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to come and the power of God to breathe on that and make it a reality. So I thank you today for every single person here, Lord. Wherever you are, whatever situation that you're facing, the first and most important thing is to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. Because even still, as I say that, I say, you're sinless. I can feel in the Spirit, oof. So hard for us at times to, to hear that spoken when we know we sin. We know we do a whole bunch of stuff wrong. But you don't stand in the courts of heaven because of what you have done. You stand in the courts of heaven because of what Jesus has done. The only challenge that you and I have is whether Jesus slips up. If Jesus sins, then we're in trouble. It's the same as the priest when they brought the lamb as an offering. The priest didn't say, here, let me hold the lamb while I inspect you. The priest said, give me the lamb, let me inspect the lamb. Friends, if we can catch this first and foremost, it's the most important thing. We have to understand our identity in Jesus. We understand what God did for us. All your record of wrong, Colossians tells us, was nailed to the cross. All your records. Every single thing that you've done wrong was nailed to the cross and removed. You do not have a record anymore. When you stand before the Lord right now, you do not have a record. He can't look back and go, oops, yeah, I can see there, 1971, yes, you sinned, you did this. It's all been nailed to the cross. When He sees you, He sees you perfect. So many scriptures in the Bible to back that up. But because we're perfect, we now can receive Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can come now upon our lives. Otherwise, we would never be able to be a vessel filled with Holy Spirit. And now that we have Holy Spirit, we now have the Word and power operating in this little life. The treasure in an earthen vessel. And so I want to ask right now, Lord God, every single person, whatever they're facing right now, I'm asking, Lord God, that you would supernaturally just allow every one of our hearts to quieten now, just, just for a, a, a moment, just to quieten down, silence all the, the questions, all the things that might be going, bombarding our mind, crazy, what about this, what about that, just quieten ourselves down. And to say, Lord, I want to be a disciple. I want to be one who's called to stand in the gap. To stand in the gap on behalf of others that are lost. To stand in the gap on behalf of others that are confused, that don't know what's going on. But I know, because I have truth living inside of me. I have Jesus, the way and the truth and the life. And that I can, whether it's my own personal situation or a friend's situation, family member or, or, my, or business situation, whatever it is, I can rise up today saying, man, I have been given the authority and the power to cause that thing to change 
and to turn it for good because I love God. All things work together for the good for those that love God. I love God. So I am asking right now, Lord God, that you would so ignite our hearts that we would not be a people who settle. We would not be a people who are fearful and back off because of giants. We will not let giants stop us from taking the promised land. Taking the promises of God that you've spoken over us. Our inheritance, the land that you've given us. Whatever it is over your life and over your circumstance, if it's over your marriage, over your kids, over your business, over your life, God has given you inheritance. It's not an inheritance of just staying at your, putting your head above water or staying afloat. Even businessmen today, this is, not, this is not about staying afloat. This is about thriving. This is about being actually the top, the best. This is about your business just supernaturally having so much favor that people come to you and they don't even know why they come to you. There might be 17 options of business and they'll come to yours because you know who you are. Because you're standing in the authority of the Word and you're also standing with the anointing and the power of the Spirit of God. And you're rising up in faith and beginning to speak and declare into every single situation and watching God do the miracle that only He can do. And friends, it's not about our effort. It's not about you now must up your prayer life and up your reading of the Bible. It's by grace. The same way you were saved. You've been saved by grace through faith. So Lord, will you help us that this week, from tomorrow, in fact from today, I don't even, that sounds like Pharaoh, tomorrow take care of the frogs. No, today, Lord God, take care of any frogs in our lives, Lord, that are just quack, 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 just be quiet, squash them, and say, Lord God, I'm changing the way I think. I am a mighty man or woman of God. I am a son and a daughter of God. And my circumstances have to bow to the name of Jesus. And my life has to come into line with my inheritance. Because I want to live in the territory that God has given me. I thank you right now today, Lord God, that the blessing of the Lord, that, that um, um, goodness and mercy are following me. They're following me because I'm a child of God. So Lord, thank you that even from this moment on, Lord God, things will begin to change in every one of our lives. And I thank you for testimonies, Lord, of the goodness of God. I thank you that as we rise up and we are partakers and joint heirs and, and co-laborers with you on the commission that you've called us to, we're going to see your kingdom come and your will be done in Jesus' name. Bless your people. Thank you, Father, for their diligence in sitting and listening. And uh, I pray that these aren't just words, Lord. May they be seeds that bring forth an incredible harvest in all of our lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.